Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Coot Blackston, and you already know me, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the founder and host. And here's a bit about Coot Blackston. He is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He speaks at countless events he organizes around the world, as well as outside events, including AFES, YPO, which is Young President's Organization, and EO, Entrepreneur's Organization. He is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. Winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award, Blackston is widely considered a next-generation leader in the field of personal development. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. So without further ado, please welcome Coot Blackston. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Coot. And before we dive into your new book, which is The Magic of Surrender, I definitely want to give the audience an ability to learn more about you on a personal level. So I have two options. We could do a rapid fire 10 question game, or we can break the ice up front. Which would you like? I'm open. Right, hey, let's, let's, let's flip a coin. Let's do something uh, unusual. Whatever. You, let's flip a coin and whichever way it goes, we roll. Okay, so I'm leaning more towards a rapid fire. So this is going to be your brain awakening. So quick, quick, quick question. So here we go. Number one, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be? Any person. Yes. I, my mother. She mother. passed away. I'd have lunch with my mother. Oh, nice. Mine will be my dad because he passed away almost two years now. Number two, dream car. I've had all the dream cars that I've wanted, to be honest. I've had Ferrari, I've had Lamborghinis, I've had Range Rovers, I've had Bentleys, I've had no car. At this point, no car is that, that much of a dream to me. I feel like I've burnt out that karma, so. Three, Apple or Android? I have an Apple. Okay, four. If you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be and why? A couple of pieces of advice. Live boldly. Live live boldly. Make the most of every moment. Life is short. You're going to die. No moment in the future is guaranteed. And so do what you most feel called to do right now. And uh, like, how would you need to live in such a way that you have no regrets? That's one. The other would be kind of a funny, fun, but, but practical piece of advice to my young, young, young self, which would be start investing, even if it's $50 a month, even when you're broke, kid, start investing $50 a month right now so you can compound that interest. Yes, investing. Yes, putting away money um, for the future and smart investments, too, because sometimes people invest, but they're not really smart investments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Five. 
if you could travel the world and money was no option, and here's the kicker, you just found out they're not flying back to your home base. Where are you heading? Not Pacific, not flying back to my home base? Yes. Meaning I'm going to be gone forever? Possibly, until they start flying back to your home base. <laughs> Rock with me here, Coot. So where would I want to go is what you're saying? Yes. I would go, i pick somewhere. I've been to so many places, so it's hard. But I would travel to somewhere I haven't been. I'd probably go to Mongolia. Okay. Six. What's your charity of choice to donate to? Uh, uh, there's a charity in Africa. Um, it's an orphanage. To be honest, I'm forgetting the name. But it's an orphanage that I sometimes uh, donate to in Ghana. That uh, this woman is doing incredible work with so little. And she has about 400 orphans. And uh, the way they take care of them is very inspiring. Seven, name mm. something that your audience does not know about mm. you. Something my audience does not know about me. Probably so much my audience doesn't know about me. Like, <laughs> uh, if there's more of a specific thing, because I could, yeah, I, I'm a big Formula One lover. Uh, there was a period of time I wanted to be a DJ, uh, you know, certain things like that. Okay. Hey, if you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be and why? Recreate? Wow, I don't know if I would recreate a moment. I would create new moments. Um, I think recreate, I think the only thing I would say is to have more time with my mother that would pass the, that that passed away uh, i thought i had more time and i would want to have more time with her nine if there was an up-and-coming entrepreneur that just wanted to know okay Coop, what makes you successful what would you share i have boldly followed my intuition and dared to not compromise my authenticity or my essence or my truth for money for fame, for anything. And that's, 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 a, that's a place. And for me, a secret to my success in life has been surrender. And 10, our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles get reversed for this question and you get to ask me something. If you play, I ask one last question. So do you wanna pass or play? Play, let's play. Okie dokie. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Any superpower? Um, I don't know. Let's go with a fun one. I would possibly time travel. Amazing. And thank you for playing Rapid Fire with Genesis. <laughs> do, 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 do. Now, let's segue into... <laughs> the reason why you're here, which is the magic of surrender, your new book. So walk us through the process of you writing this book. What was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, this was not the book I thought I was going to write. This was not the book I intended to write. This was not even the book I wanted to write, to be honest. Um, I had all sorts of ideas of books I thought would sell, books I thought would be bestsellers, books I thought publishers would want, books I thought my audience wanted. And so I remember one day I was, I was 
trying to be intelligent and I was strategizing and I was writing all sorts of ideas on a whiteboard on a wall. And I had so many great titles and sexy topics and just topics I thought would just be incredible. And none of those really, none of those were authentic. None of those were real. None of those landed in my heart as yes, this is, this is true. I thought they could work, they could be good, they, 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 maybe one day I'll write a book about them, but none of those were really uh, aligned for me. And the only word of hundreds that I wrote on this board, the only word that stood out as real was the word surrender. And I resisted it at first because I thought I don't want to write a book about surrender because we know we should surrender, but we don't want to surrender. And then everyone's going to fight the whole topic of surrender. And then I had to surrender my own ego's resistance to the book about surrender. And when I did, all of these ideas and my entire vision came, came forward for me about the theme of surrender. And I got very, very, very excited about it, to be honest. And uh, I flashed back because how the book came about or, or the seeds of the book were planted in ways that I had not even been conscious of. In 2016, at the end, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And that was really difficult for me because she was my everything. She was the closest person to me. You know, she was the reason I am in many ways who I am. And, and I can say I've experienced unconditional love in this lifetime because of her. And so when she was diagnosed with stomach cancer, my heart broke in that moment. I was, I, I'm living in Los Angeles. I was then. I started to fly back and forth from LA to London, where she was living, to be with her during her chemo sessions. I started to fly back and forward. I, I, my intention was to keep her well. My intention was to heal her through alternative therapies. After about two months or three months, I realized that she wasn't going to make it and she was going to pass away. And it really hit me. And so I had to start surrendering. And I, you could say I let go of hope in the future. And what that did was it forced me to be fully present with her right now. And I sat with her in chemo, holding her hand for eight hours. I would sit with her having tea. I sat with her at dinner, like this could be the last dinner. Every text could be the last. And so every moment became incredibly precious. And so what started out as the worst year of my life became perhaps the best year of my life, to be honest. And it was such a profound experience that I became in a strange way grateful to cancer for this experience. And so about seven months into the process, here's where I think the seed of the book was planted. Um, the doctor said that there's nothing else we can do for you. You're going to told my mother you're going to die and it's just either days or weeks we don't know when and so get your affairs in order you know that moment the reality of that moment nothing prepares you to hear those words in reality and my heart broke and I was in the parking lot and I looked at my mother and I said to her two questions number one are you afraid like the moment is coming and this Jap my mother's Japanese and this little Japanese woman she looked me in the eyes and she said, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body, but this body is a temporary vehicle for my soul that I will be with you, guiding you from the other side. Don't worry. And, you know, I'm just in tears in this moment. And I asked her, mom, is there anything that you need in your final days? 
Is there anything I can do for you? What do you need? What do you want? I wanted to be a good son. And she looked at me and she said, there's nothing I need and there's nothing I want. All I want is what God wants for my life. And that moment hit me so hard because here she was in the face of death, like literally. It's one thing to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah everything is great when, when you're great. But when you know that you are dying, she was fearless, truly. And I realized she was free. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was free. And that freedom was her surrender. And here this Japanese woman for this entire year, who was usually very emotional, didn't complain, didn't cry, didn't feel like a victim, wasn't mad at the world or God. She was surrendered. And when I was looking at that whiteboard and I flashed back, remembered all the experiences I had with her throughout that entire year, I knew <clears throat> that this was the book that I was born to write, that this was the book, the universe, God, my soul was calling me to write in that moment. And it was beyond me. This was the book that was seeking to be written. And so I surrendered to that. And, you know, in our culture today, I believe that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. I believe that surrender is the key to manifestation, is the key to your next level. Surrender is the password to freedom. That if you look at it, surrender is the real key to greatness. If you look at the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Mandela, uh, Elon Musk, even Oprah, uh, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Bob Marley, at some point, all of these great ones, they all surrendered themselves to life. They surrendered themselves to the universe. They surrendered themselves to the infinite intelligence. They surrendered themselves to their soul. In their surrender, they transcended their own ego. In their surrender, they transcended their own human limitations and capacity to manifest their lives. And they tapped into another dimension of power, another dimension of grace, another dimension of magic, another dimension of themselves. And in that surrender, life began to use them and life began to use through move through them life began to manifest through them and they were able to perform create miracles in the world for humanity and i think this is the potential of surrender you know yeah. and so in our culture we think surrender is weak surrender is passive the surrender is giving up that if you surrender you're not going to manifest you're going to get less than you're going to be left behind but i'm actually saying what if you surrender and you got more, more than you could even imagine with your conscious, logical egos, personality capacity to manifest. And so surrender is a letting go of control, just to be clear, at Absolutely. least the letting go of the control that we think we have surrender and control. The master of addiction of the and, and, and what, what is seeking to control is the ego surrender is when we stop trying to force life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should look surrender is when we let go of the idea of who we think we should be how we think our life should be so that we can truly open ourselves to the life that is seeking to unfold so surrender is taking the limits off of life sometimes we get so attached to our goals and our intentions of how we think our life should be that we're not, we don't realize we're limiting the universe. We're limiting God. We're limiting the infinite intelligence. And so it's to be open. It's to be available. It's to, to allow. It's to be curious. And when we truly surrendered, that's when the magic can happen. When we truly surrender, that's when we tap into the infinite potentiality and possibility. So the book is called the magic of surrender, magic being not a hocus pocus thing, 
magic being that which is beyond our mental capacity to imagine. Beyond what's beyond your wildest dreams. Sometimes we go to the universe and say, God, please give me this thing, this this person, this relationship. We don't realize that we're going to God asking for a peanut when the universe is seeking to give us a buffet. And so we all want magic, but we don't want to surrender. And surrender Absolutely. is that password to freedom. <clears throat> so let me chime in here. So whenever I think about surrender, it's you're dying to a, a part of you is dying in order for a new part of you to emerge. Because whenever you surrender, you're letting go of something that keeps you complacent or something that's conditioning you in order to surrendering, surrendering yourself to new and endless possibilities to allow new things to enter into your now reality. And sometimes when people surrender, it's like surrendering your wills and your emotions and being in tune with that intuition, that discernment and et cetera, mm -hmm. for those that are spiritual. And so, for example, I want to use grief here. So whenever my father passed in November of 2020, that was the moment that rocked me because it came very fast, very unexpected, because my dad was going through medical negligence. And that is what um, caused my father to pass. Because if we start back in May, he walked into the hospital. I'm going to say this again. He walked into the hospital and three days later, we found out he was paralyzed from the waist down. So his entire quality of life changed while he was in the care of wow. medical professions. So what I had to do was surrender to the fact that, okay, my dad, he may or may not walk again, but what can we do in the present right now to make his life as comfortable and easy as possible? And that takes surrendering because you could ponder, 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 but is pondering going to change the situation? It may not change the situation, but what can you do is take what you have and what you're given and just really be so connected and rooted with that individual and shower them with love and et cetera. And one of the songs I want to interject because I think it, I think it goes along with the magic of surrender. I'm going to read these lyrics really quick, and it's by Tim McGraw, and it says, "Live like you were dying," and it said, "He said I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me when a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the X-rays and talking about the options and talking about sweet time. I asked him." when it sank in, that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what you do. And he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fumachu. I loved deeper. I spoke sweeter. I gave forgiveness I'd been denied. And, it, and he said, Some, someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. And I'm going to just stop reading the lyrics there because so many people take life for granted until you're in the hospital room. You take life for granted until you see your loved one in the casket. You take life for granted whenever you're going through turmoil and you fail to realize the importance of surrendering who you who you were to who you are now and what you need to walk into because we are so stuck in the WIFA method. What's in it for me that we forget that there's more, uh, more life that we have to give. We're not just here just to be 
by ourselves. We're here to do life with other people and to leave an imprint. And that imprint is driving an impact. And I think that's when true surrender takes place. Absolutely. So when I read those lyrics, have you heard that song before, Coot? Yeah, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. How did it make you feel just listening to those lyrics? Yeah, I think it's true. I think it's life. Look, here's the, the reality is we're going to die. Yeah. All of us, we will die. And as human beings, we are so busy um, from an egoic place, resisting death, avoiding death, distracting ourselves from death. And I think if we're able to embrace death and hold it close, even if you have not in a morbid way, but the degree to which we resist death, I found is the degree to which we resist life. And there is no life without death. And so the more we can embrace death, it can become such a sobering wake up call and reality to live life more fully. When I was on Larry King, it's funny, he was one of my childhood heroes growing up as a kid, because I didn't grow up with very much money. And so one of the ways I would escape my reality was to watch Larry King. And so when my first book came out, I had the opportunity to be on Larry King and it was like sitting in front of an icon. And here I am on his show, his table. And he asked me, it was like a trick, I think a trick question. And he said, uh, and I thought he was going to go easy on me, you know, and he didn't. And I'm like, he's going to go easy on this young kid. And he said, so cool. what, what, what happens when we die? I'm like the third, in my mind, I'm thinking, Larry, the third question you ask me, what happens when we die? How the hell do we know? I don't know for sure. Who knows? I mean, there's heaven, there's there. But in reality, and I thought, you know what? I don't know what happens when we die for sure, because I haven't been there. Like, I know what happens when I turn left on Washington Boulevard and what happens when I turn right on Pico in Los Angeles. But I can't guarantee. But I said, <clears throat> I'm concerned with not just when we die, but how do we live life now? Because I think how we live life now is, is what we have control over in this moment. And, and I think so many of us, we, we're avoiding life <clears throat> because we're afraid of death. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of heartbreak. We're afraid of what people will think. And so if death came, I would ask everyone to consider if death came right now, would you be ready? And if not, why not? <clears throat> what's unsaid? What's ungiven? What's unexpressed? What, what experiences have you had not had? What's who have you not forgiven? Who are you holding grudges against? And the truth is, the people in 9-11, the people in those disasters, the people that died, like my mother or your father, so many people that died today or yesterday had no idea that they weren't going to come home that night and look their loved ones in the eyes and say, I love you, or I'm sorry, or forgive me. And, and so I would just invite everyone to sit with death and meditate on your death because tomorrow is not a right. It, it's not a guarantee. The only moment is a guarantee is right now. So if death came, would you be ready? And if not, why not? What would you have to say? Where would you have to go? What would you have to express? What would you have to communicate so that you could throw your arms up and say, I'm ready. And when we die and we meet our maker, whatever you believe, we can't go to God and say, hey, God, can I get a refund on those two years that I wasted in that relationship, right? Can I get a refund on that, on that, on that, on that three years, that five years, that 10 years I wasted in that job that I hated? Once it's gone, it's gone. There's no refunds in life. And so I always say, if there's something you want to do, do it now. For me, what's really helped me is 
remembering my death. Because there's so much time as human beings, we waste on meaningful, trivial things. There's so many grudges we hold on meaningful, meaningless, sorry, and trivial things and meaningless issues. And But when we remember death, death can be like a, a sobering friend that wakes up, wakes us up to say, hey, is this really that important? Is this worth your freedom? Most of the things that we hold on to or we're afraid of aren't that serious, aren't worth our freedom. And so embrace death in order to live life fully. That's something that has been a reality for me, you know? And I think the only regret that I have, I'm not sure how you feel with your father, but for me, in the pursuit of success, coming to America at 18 with two suitcases, $800, and having no one to fall back on and no support, and, you know, having a huge, crazy break with my father and knowing I can't go back because everyone wants me to fail. Um, feeling the pressure of I have to make it. And, and so this, when I was sitting with my mother in chemo, holding her hand, and I reflected on all the Christmases I missed out on and all of the simple moments of life that I missed out on because I was too busy or I thought I was too busy, you know, doing important things. And here I was in chemo, sitting, having a conversation. Here I was washing dishes with my mother thinking, this could be the last time I see my mother washing dishes. Here I was just sitting in the park, throwing bread to birds, doing nothing or gardening. And all these things I thought, I don't have time for this. And here I am going, why did I wait till my mother was dying to spend this time? Why did I, and my only regret honestly right now is not spending more time with my mother. I've done a lot of things. I told you, I've had the cars. I've had, I mean, I've been there, done that, had it. And the only regret I have is not, oh, I wish I had another car. Or I had, the only regret is I wish I had spent some more time with my mom and, and, I thought I had time. There were so many plans that I had with my mom. I'm going to take, you know, when I have time and when I make it, I'm going to take her there and I'm going to do this and we're going to go there. Boom. And so I call it a sacred regret now. It's not like something I beat myself up about, but it's a sacred regret. And I think that sacred regret got me in touch with the preciousness of life and reminds me now of like, what's really important, you know, is, is the connection and the moments and the meaning and uh, having no regrets in life because life is short. Absolutely. And when you said life is short, um, it reminded me of my dad with what he would say. He said, life isn't short. Life is what you make it because he really believed to live in the present. And, um, Another part of the lyrics that I think really capitalized on what you just said, because so many times people wish and wish and wish, but you can't turn back the clocks. But what you can do Mm -hmm. is, you know, be present in the moment and build for um, those memories. And Tim McGraw, he goes on to said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. I went three times that year. I lost my dad. Well, I finally read the good book and I took a good, long, hard look at what I would do, what I would do if I could do it all again. And then, 
And the reason why I got choked up was today would have been my father's 65th birthday. And I chose to continue doing my podcast today versus just sitting in the silence and just going over the memories. Because if he were here, he would want me to continue with the imprint in order to drive an impact. And just to hear you say, I wouldn't do all these other vanity things. I would spend more time with my mother and take her here and there. And that's one of the things that my husband regretted because when he got paralyzed, we said we wanted to do a cross country trip and take my dad in an RV since it's, it would have been hard to travel with all the stuff my dad had going on. And that was one thing that my husband said at my father's funeral. I wish I would have taken taken Earl on that RV trip to Minnesota to see his family there. And it just goes to show it's like so many times we want to do things, but why not take action when we have the time? Why not follow that intuition and that discernment? Why do we always put things off and then we wish for things later on when that wish is impossible? And I just want to ask that profound question and let the audience really sit in it. So Coot, as we begin to wind down this segment, I, I don't want to give all the, all the spoilers to the audience. So I want you to leave them with your call to action once they hear us talk about the magic of surrender and then plug where they can connect with you further and get your book. Oh yeah, they can get the book on Amazon right now for sure. Um, it's available. Uh, the paperback is available. Uh, for those that get the paperback, you can get access to a very special replay of a seminar I did on May the 14th called Reinvent Life. And you can go to www.coopblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar and enter your name, your email, get access to a bunch of free gifts and, and hopefully be inspired there. My main website, Coop Blackson, Instagram, Facebook, Coop Blackson. Um, People want to go on a deep dive twice a year. I do a very special event in Bali and it's called Boundless Bliss Bali, 12 days transforming uh, www Boundless Bliss Bali. You can, you can find out more there. And thank you so much, Coop, for just coming on and sharing the magic of surrender with the community and just being vulnerable and just talking about your mother and all of the other gems you dropped on this segment audience make sure you like comment and subscribe we're on 40 plus platforms you could also find the video component on youtube by typing at gems with genesis amaris kemp for all video content and lastly but not least i want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a consistent basis to support the guests that i bring on as well as a mission to educate inspire and motivate because it takes all of us coming together via diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging to make this world a better place. So until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS 
G-E-M-S, WIT, W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.